Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. This is a preview episode looking at Michigan's week two matchup against Hawaii. And we're kind of going to do the typical preview, but we are going to do it a little differently just because, boy, this game, Steve, I, I, I think you, know, you mentioned it last week. I think Delaware State is the last time there has been this wide of a gap between Michigan at home, at least between Michigan and, and who they're playing. I know they, they beat up on Rutgers a couple times. You know, they've had lot more lopsided scores than the 50 point point spread. But I think, I mean, this is a team that, that lost 49 to, to 17 to Western Kentucky. They gave up 63 points to Vanderbilt. So instead of, you know, the, what would make a successful weekend, we're, we're just going to look at three uh, slightly different topics that we came up with and with some help from our subscribers over at the Michigan insider.com Michigan 24 seven sports.com. Uh, but yeah, just looking at three main topics and then we'll do our, our over unders and our predictions for the matchup. So first things first, obviously JJ McCarthy, uh, this is his first start. He is QB one. He met with the media, Steve. I don't know if you caught the, the, the video or the audio of, of his interview, but uh, he sounded like an NFL vet. He was you know, pushing positivity you know, saying all the right things. Uh, now, now he gets to go play and, and he's shown plenty in his college career, but at the same time, you know, this will be his first start. So I guess the big question for me, cause I, I, we were kind of talking about it last week. You know, I don't, I don't think what he shows in the box score this week is going to determine whether he should be the starter. It might, it might change the public opinion, I think it's going to be some of the intangible stuff, you know, how he leads the offense, how smooth is the offense, how consistent are his throws when he makes a mistake, you know, what's his response both verbally, but also in his play. So Steve, my question for you is, is one, can JJ show anything this week that will enable you to decide he should be the starting quarterback moving forward? And and if so, what sort of things are you looking at that that will be some of those separators that will that will firmly put him ahead of Cade McNamara in your eyes? Well, I, I, one very valuable resource is to to 
promote what we're, what we're doing on the site is the stuff that Sam does with Al Borges and Devin Gardner uh, really puts a lot of context into maybe what you're seeing in real time when watching the game or even rewatching it on your own. Uh, but the biggest thing for, for me is, is what McNamara didn't seem to do yesterday. And it's something that's kind of been there uh, was even there last year when, when Michigan was winning is, you know, what if McCarthy has to go to his second and third read? Can he make that throw? Does he recognize his reads? You know, like I, I'm with you all the ways. Like I don't necessarily think a big game statistically is going to would be the would be the be all end all considering what we just said about Hawaii being one of the worst opponents Michigan has maybe ever faced. But you know, at the same time, I suppose a big statistical game probably means he's making some good throws and making some good reads. Uh, but I do. I think it comes more down to just the X's and O's, uh, the stuff that the coaches are usually looking at, you know, and, and how much more. I think the other thing, too, that the one ace that I think McCarthy continues to have up his sleeve, and, and we'll see how much Michigan utilizes on Saturday, but just his ability on the ground, too, uh, is just something that, that McNamara just can't give Michigan, has not given Michigan. So I think those are two things to kind of keep an eye on. But biggest thing for me is, yeah, like second and third reads, maybe like to see them throw the ball downfield a little bit more. Uh, I don't know what McNamara's deepest throw was on Saturday. And I don't know. None none were more than 19 yards. Right. So like, and and that's kind of one of the things like I can't imagine because of the way Harbaugh has laid out this competition. I can't imagine that at least early on, you know, Michigan is probably not constraining the offense as much as they may maybe normally would against inferior opponents, just because I think they want to see what the quarterbacks can do. So, it, I, I, you know, I suspect, I suspect Michigan will, will try to, they're not going to open things up all the way, obviously, but they may crack it open a little more than they normally would to kind of let McCarthy breathe and see what he can do. So with that in mind, I say, it's like why I say I'm interested to see if Michigan pushes the ball down the field a little bit more because you know, I think he's he's a guy that has shown in the he's shown in the past he's he can do it, but uh, you know his his snap count has been inconsistent last year. I mean, it was you know he was a part time guy last year. This is really his first big big opportunity. So uh, those are just kind of a few of the things I think are important. You know, I but I just really got to think the staff is looking at those that progression across the field. First guy's covered. Who's my second guy? Is he open? you know, and how quickly he can read through that and then make the right throw or make the right play. So I guess the last thing I would say real quick is also it's like the Harbaugh comment earlier about McCarthy not trying to turn water into wine all the time. I'm wondering if Michigan is going to keep an eye on that too, just for the simple fact that, you know, turnovers are, are devastating. Turnovers are worse than some of uh, some missed throws, you know, like that McNamara was making last week, you know, so, so some, if he's forcing things and really trying to push it too hard, I'm wondering, you know, what, what the coach's reaction would be to that. Because I think that's, since he's been on campus, I think that's been their biggest thing with him is not trying to make the big play every time the ball is in his hands, knowing when to rein it in a little bit, uh, either throw it away, take the five yard out instead of the the 20 yard intermediate uh, and just, you know, basically more make the heady play more consistently and not always worry about going for the home run. Yeah, and, and really that's that's what Cade 
is really good at. I, I think, you know, if you're thinking about this, Michigan knows about JJ's arm strength. They know about his mobility. I, I thought it was interesting hearing the different players talk about uh, how much tougher it can be to, you know, be on defense to go up against JJ versus Cade in practice because, yeah, he can take off. I mean, I think uh, one, of, one of the players, I think it might have been Kalel Mullings, kind of joked like it, when he was running back, he found out that. JJ, even if you even if the read looks like it should be for the running back, he might still hang on to the ball. And that's pros and cons to that. I think most of the pros are just that's tougher for defenses to to defend. But yeah, curious to see how much they do that. So they they know his physical abilities. They know, you know, who he is. I mean, I think it's always funny to me because like fans not invited to practice, media not invited to practice, and and somehow, you know, some of them think that they know more than the coaches who are running the practices, but but at the same time, I think, you know, if J.J. really wants to prove that he should be the starting quarterback, he probably just has to show that he's neck and neck with Cade McNamara at the things Cade McNamara is best at, leadership, responding to adversity. I mean, I think last season, even though they went 12-2, and two, I'd say there were four or five games that were, quote-unquote, in doubt at times. You know, thinking about Cade McNamara throwing the interception uh, in, in the end zone against Ohio State, or I think it was Penn State – I, I believe it was him who had the fumble. Anyway, they fumbled and Penn State took that late lead. So there's there's been moments Nebraska, you know, took a lead late. I mean, there there were moments where Cade really showed that he can respond to mistakes. And and I I'm curious to see. I almost think it would almost benefit JJ if Hawaii kind of came out and surprised him a little bit or or he made some mistakes early just so he could show that resolve. Because there is pressure on him. I mean, you you kind of heard the frustration from Cade McNamara. Hey, Michigan won fifty-one to seven last week, and Cade sounded really frustrated. That says to me that that you know Michigan is putting pressure on these quarterbacks, and they're kind of feeling it. So, how do you respond to that pressure? Uh, not necessarily just in how you play overall, but what happens if you're feeling that pressure and you throw a pick? You know, what's what's your demeanor? Uh, how do you? How, what are you like in the huddle? And then I also do think, you know, Jim Harbaugh, he's talked a couple times about how clean last week's game was. And I don't I don't think that's like a backhanded compliment at Cade McNamara. I think he only believes few penalties, everyone getting lined up mostly on time, rotations working. Hawaii plays a little bit faster. That's something about the defense, I, I suppose, more. But yeah, I think are you managing the offense in the sense of everyone knows what's going on and they're in position to to do their jobs. So yeah, those are a couple things. Going to be interesting. I am curious about the stats too. I, I don't think that's going to decide the battle, but interesting to see not just what JJ looks like in his first start, but does Michigan use these next two weeks? Because UConn and Maryland, I think, are going to be teams that that if they wanted to alternate QBs or, or alternate by series or quarter or even by game, they could. But I'm inclined to. I kind of feel like Michigan would not be mad if the decision was undeniable at the end of this weekend. Next thing, kind of like last week, maybe even more so than last week, we expect Michigan is going to rotate guys in. And, and last week, I I think I I don't have the number off the top of my head, but it was, it was a couple dozen players on each side of the ball got 10 or more snaps. So not even just the, the backups, but the backups backups. And Steve, this question comes from Shaman or Shaman on, on our message board. I thought it was a good one. You know, who, not in the too deep, would are you keeping a close eye on? His example uh, was 
Jermon Green and Louis Hansen. Steve, who who not in the maybe typical 44-man too deep, you know, in that fourth quarter, maybe even that third quarter, you know, when the game's on, are you are you taking a peek at to see just what what they look like, what they can show, and maybe maybe they show the coaches something a little surprising too to to earn their way into that too deep. You guys off the top of my head, uh, Christian Dixon at wide receiver is a guy I think is in an interesting spot. You know, Harbaugh basically named the top the top five receivers. I believe Dixon was mentioned in the second five when he did his depth chart podcast. You know, kind of a name that's gotten a little bit lost in the shuffle behind you uh, when you talk about how explosive and exciting Darius Clemens and Corny, or, uh, Umar and Walker are as true freshmen. Uh, but I heard some good things about Dixon this offseason. So interested to see if he gets in and, and can make kind of and kind of an impact or, or show us something. Uh, Tavier Dunlap is another one. Uh, you know, C.J. Stokes had the nice performance last week. Uh Dunlap still has over 20 pounds on him. So I still think, you know, Dunlap emerging as somebody they can trust is important for Michigan in short yardage type situations. Uh, So that would be one. Interested to see if Orgy is a guy that they're going to – I threw this in on one of the the piece I did this week on just some reaction to the game. Just, you know, could he be like a packages guy for them this season? You know, because he does, he gives them something totally different. It's kind of fascinating. Michigan's two freshman quarterbacks, uh, 235 and 238, respectively, Orgy and, and Jaden Denegal. So, uh, but, or, you know, Orgy's a guy that seems to have a little bit of a higher upside there. And then uh, a couple more, you know, a guy like Micah Pollard, who we heard some really good things about during fall camp, shifts over to linebacker from edge fascinated to see if he gets in, in there and, and does anything. Uh, Keyshawn Bennett, another one message on him in the spring, at least was they still thought he was a year away, but that they liked what they were working with, with him. He played a few snaps last week, I want to say, but you know, perfect example of a guy that could maybe see a real uptick in snaps on Saturday, you know, and a guy that I think fans, you know, if you follow recruit, he was a four-star guy. Uh, they beat some pretty good schools for him. You know, the, the type of guy that I think, like we said last, last week, is you don't need to turn the game off. You know, it's, it's a good opportunity to watch some of these guys that we've maybe done some inside stuff on and talked about before. TJ Guy could probably get thrown in that same mix, honestly. And then the other, some of the true freshmen in the back, in the defensive backfield, guys like Zeke Barry, Cody Jones, uh, maybe even like a Miles Pollard. You know, guys like that. So that, that, those would be a – that's a pretty lengthy list, I suppose. But I wouldn't be surprised if all those guys got in on some in some capacity on Saturday. Yeah, I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh kind of teased that he wants to break a record for most players on the roster to see game action this season. And he thinks these next two weeks can help him get there. So wouldn't be surprised if they play. I think the question will be, is it four snaps at the very end or is it 10 snaps? Because 10 snaps or 12 snaps can make a – can be much more than you know three or four when you're just kneeling it down at the end of the game. A uh, couple guys I'm interested. I mean, you listed a lot of really good names. I'm a little intrigued by the reserve offensive tackles. Um, I don't know if they'll play. They didn't run that deep with tackles last week, but you know Ryan Hayes was sounds like he'll be back, uh, but you know was held out last week for precautionary reasons. Carson Barnhart sounds like he won't play Saturday. You know, Trent a. Jones seemed like they wanted to give him a full game experience. They played him 
I want to say 63 out of 68 snaps. So, you know, clearly I, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a lot again, because they're thinking about him for the rest of the season too, but they've recruited some very interesting players that tackled the past few years. I mean, it, it really big guys, six, seven, six, eight, in the case of Tristan bounds, you know, Andrew Gentry's another guy who's very fascinating. And then in thinking about the immediate future, maybe a guy like Jeffrey Percy. So I, they've got, it's, it's interesting because I, I think there's like three upperclassmen and Barnhart Jones and Hayes who have played quite a bit, actually hundreds of snaps, even Barnhart and Jones, but th- they really haven't gotten some of these, these younger guy, guys. Some of them are freshmen, of course, but you know, some of these younger budding offensive tackles, they haven't gotten a ton of snaps. And so at some point, you know, maybe even it's, it's next year, you know, are they going to have, you don't want guys who are totally green or you don't know what they look like in games. So I'm fascinated to see uh, the, the backup offensive tackles, uh, especially, and really the whole offensive line. But, but, you know, we saw what the kind of statement GOL hottie made last week, but really the offensive tackle, that's maybe one position where I'm not, I'm not sure of the depth. It might be fine. I don't know. But you know, without getting to see them in game action, uh, it's still a mystery. And then I'm with you on on the freshman on the defensive side because I I still it's just hard to hard to think uh, you know, they have a great defense. They have seems like they have serviceable depth at several positions. You know, thinking about Kalel Mullings, Makari Page, uh, seems like those two guys especially really answered the bell this fall camp to the point where they they played start. I mean, Kalel started. Uh, and Macari Page played just as many snaps as R.J. Moten, so um, feels like they have like the the in-game depth. But what can Zeke Barry add? What can Keon Sab add? You know, what what can uh, both Pollards? You know, see, so heard heard a little bit about both of them. Um, you know, Cody Jones, Demonte Den. I feel like that back. There's a lot of an intrigue with those freshmen. Uh, could probably throw J- Jimmy Rolder and Deuce Spurlock in there. I mean, at some point this season at least two or three of the names I just mentioned are going to be asked to step in at a significant point, you know, d- defensive play. I mean, injuries happen, uh, players get tired, you know, guys need to rotate in. So I'm very curious to see that's, that's really the second area where I, I, in the fourth quarter, you know, that's, that's where I would keep my eyes is who among those freshmen look ready now, who among them look like they could be ready at the end of the year, which is very common for players on the defensive side of the ball, especially seems like under Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and then who might be more of a take your red shirt and come back next year with, you know, ready to really contribute. So uh, fascinating to see that group as well as backup offensive tackles. I'm also curious about Dunlap uh, just because he hasn't gotten a lot of carries him and Dixon both seems like they get overlooked because they played so little last season, but would not be the first time someone who red shirted kind of emerged as a red shirt freshman. So Fascinating to see both of them uh, because of their recruiting talent. All right, we're going to hit a quick break. On the other side, uh, we'll we'll have our predictions and over-unders. And before that, we will discuss the merits of this game. I think Steve and I have different philosophies on the value of a game like Hawaii or UConn. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft. Made with Tencel, it's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. 
entrusted Hannah Quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, and we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, I think we've, we've almost gone back and forth on this stuff before. I really think, even in the college football playoff era, you should have a Power 5 opponent in your non-conference. I think it, it helps you... Uh, see what you have. It helps you understand, you know, where your team is at before it's too late. Uh, it helps you. I mean, it brings uh, some juice to to the fans and to the players and to, to fall camp. I don't know that you necessarily have to play Notre Dame. You know, thinking about that 2018 season uh, might have looked a little different if they if they don't play Notre Dame. But at the same time, they probably grew from that loss, too. But I don't know that you need to go up against the guys you know the, the the Notre Dames or I think 2017 was Florida um, you know at Utah in 2015 was a tough draw it turned out but I do think you have to play somebody I think Washington is a good match because I think you know most years you're going to be better than Washington um, I know they've hosted Colorado they've hosted Oregon State uh, you know they, they've done a couple of these I think playing nobody I, I don't know that it helps Michigan a ton you know, it helps you play a lot of guys, but you're almost like playing a defensive style of football where it's like, you know, I'm putting together my keys for this game and I'm thinking one of the keys is like, don't get hurt, get through the game healthy and without showing too much. Like it's just, it's, it sets up a weird dynamic. I mean, you know, I, I'm even the players are kind of like, you know, they're, they're not downplay They're not talking down on Hawaii, but they're, they're kind of understanding like this is, this is almost like a preseason. And I think that's, that's one of the two main arguments for this kind of schedule is one, the NFL, you get a preseason, every major sport I can think of, you get at least one exhibition game, including most college sports. So that's, this can be that kind of thing. It can be like the preseason where you do play your backups for the entire second half. The other thing, and I, I think I think there's an uh, opposing argument to this, but you know, the college football playoff, you really only get to have one loss. If you want to go, my belief is Michigan's probably never going to, this year might be the only year where they could go and, and not beat Ohio state or not win the big 10. But if you look, you know, two losses, yeah, you're not, you're not going, but you're probably not going anyways, unless you're beating Ohio state. If you're Michigan, just because, um, you know, the, the way the schedule set up. I mean, so it's really, maybe you don't schedule a top five opponent week one or week two, but I do think you can have a power five opponent that, that might be tougher. And maybe once every five years, they upset you. But, but, you know, when Michigan's lost these games, I don't think it's made the difference between making the playoff and not, I don't think in 2018, if they had played Hawaii week one and gone 11 and one, I don't think they would have been in the playoff uh, in that final four having the way they lost to Ohio state and everything. So Steve, I, I, I've heard you make this argument before. 
you think that there is some merit to this softer schedule. There is some value to these games. What are, what are some of your thoughts? So I think the biggest argument against is the fan experience. I think big non-conference games, I think fans get as pumped, you know, as pumped up for those as some of the, the rivalry games, depending on Washington the was a great atmosphere. Right. And that, I mean, yep. Washington kind of an old Rose bowl rival from the eighties, but you know, I think down, what do they have like Texas down the coming down the pipe in like 25 and 26 yeah, Texas I don't know and all, Oklahoma. Right. Uh, I, I don't know if he has, we'll the, see if they'll stay on, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but either way, it's like those, like the idea of Texas coming to the big house is something that I think you get really excited thinking about that possibility. Right. And um, same with Oklahoma, when Notre Dame comes into town, the, the atmosphere would rival a, a Michigan state, Ohio state game. So I think that's the biggest downside to like, say this year's schedule for Michigan. Um, I think the value is basically kind of our last topic. I agree fully that playing a a tougher opponent earlier in the season will help, uh, help maybe callous your too deep and some of your more important players, but, and I'd be interested. I mean, this is just me. I'm, I'm not spitballing, but I'm sort of educated guest is I'd be interested to ask the coaches if, if they feel like a game like this could by October, November, maybe actually make the team better one through one fifteen. Uh, as far as getting guys who aren't probably going to play a major role, if any, during conference season to get them a, a much larger portion of snaps than they would even normally see in a regular non-conference game. You know, it was like, does that experience help make a difference for guys in practice, you know, week in and week out when you're prepping for Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, whatever, you know, does it, could it be a boost of confidence for a guy like you talk about a Keyshawn Bennett, you know, like say he plays a decent amount of snaps on Saturday, has a good experience. Uh, does he sort of build off of that? So I, I, like I said, that'd be something I'd be interested to ask the coaches about. It's kind of a difficult question to ask because you're completely demeaning the opponent uh, that they're playing, but yeah, it's been tried in press conferences this week. Mike Elston had to give a very uh, diplomatic answer right? to basically not throw Hawaii under the bus, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but I'd be interested to know if, if, if that's the case, you know, where it is a deal where, yeah, those the bigger name players, the more important players, you know, on the field are, are maybe not getting the extensive reps and, and action that, that they would get in a bigger game. But those other guys, the scout team guys, uh, the, the, you know, just where's the counterbalance there? You know, I guess would be the, the question that I would I would want to know. But I, I suspect that there's some value to the team as a whole by letting these guys I mean, it could even be a, I don't know, a morale boost to a certain extent, you know? So, um, yeah, everyone wants to play. You know, there's right? no one that's like signing up this season. Like, yeah, I hope I red shirt. Like, and no, gotta, they want to play. <laughs> right. And you got to think, you know, your, your vets probably love seeing some of the, the, the scout team type guys, like getting real playing, you know, I kind of think about a situation, I guess, uh, not exactly the same, but, uh, uh, what's his name against A&M in the, in the NCAA tournament hit the three pointer at the end of the game with the bench going nuts. Oh, CJ Baird, CJ Baird. Yeah. CJ uh, Baird. Yeah. Right. So, you know, something sort of similar to that, you know, seeing, you know, what if, a, you know, 
maybe a freshman or, or a walk-on guy comes in, gets a big hit in the four, you know, could be a camaraderie, like team building type thing too. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is, there's, there's pros and cons to it though. I don't think there's a right. I don't think there's, it's either, I don't think it's either a good or a bad thing. I think there are pros and cons, but, but I maybe lean more towards what, what I've argued with the latter, but again, I, I, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, Washington, Notre Dame. I mean, it, you know, it's been hard to kind of get pumped or get revved up to even want to preview this game. If I'm being hundred percent honest, uh, that would not be the case if they were playing one of those teams, you know, so it, it, it's definitely a, you know, a different kind of a weird feeling, at least from my standpoint. And I kind of got to feel like, I mean, there was even a poster on our board. He got a little bit of guff, but I understood what he was saying, saying, you know, this is the one game of the year I'm going to, and I'm actually not really that excited because it's not going to be much of a game. Uh, I kind of understand where he was coming from. So, uh, you know, so there's that, but again, and, and if fans are thinking that like players, they're, they're all going to say the right thing, but there's going to be a part of them in the back of their mind. Like if they, if they were 100%. playing Arizona, like I'm not even thinking like the top, top teams, but like if they're playing Arizona or uh, kind of like the middle of the pack power five teams, like a, uh, I don't know. Well, NC state's pretty good this year, but like wake forest maybe, or, or, I don't know, Colorado. I mean, there, at least there's some juice. There might be someone who knows a couple of the players. Now I will in Michigan's defense, this is their first season since 1964 that they didn't have a power five opponent. I don't think they expected Colorado state and Hawaii to be this bad. They knew UConn was probably going to be pretty bad, but Hawaii, I mean, they won six games last year and, and Colorado state. I mean, they've, they've been good in the past. So it is kind of an interesting, like they scheduled these so far out. It's kind of like you, you didn't realize they were all going to be like not even in the top 100. It's a bummer for fans. I think I could say that. I mean, there's there's perks to it. Like they can enjoy their tailgates or enjoy their college football Saturdays and not not stress. I mean, it's going to be very relaxing, <laughs> you know, just watching football for the fun of it. And and again, getting to see guys you don't normally get to see. Um depending on where you're from, it might be like a guy that you watched in high school and you're really excited about, and they haven't necessarily cracked the starting lineup or two deep. So maybe you get to see them or, or obviously family members of those players. And um, they'll, they'll be very excited. And uh, so it'll be, I mean, there's, there's perks. I personally, especially now that a 12 team playoff seems to be coming heavily vouched for at least one big 10 caliber opponent. That, so that 100% changes it as well for me. I mean, that that's yeah. a really big deal in that regard because you're, you can lose a game. Yeah. In that scenario, honestly, like if you're, we'll try to think, will there be in a 12 team playoff, wouldn't probably theoretically every one loss team get in? Power uh, five. Potentially. Now, now it depends on, you know, if you're, if you're Michigan. Close. If you lose, you're probably still trying to get in that top eight, though, right? So you sure. can host a game. Yeah. Um, and it's not like you can just stink the whole season. Like, I, I got to think you probably need to – you can't count on nine and three getting you in. Like, you probably don't do have to be ten and two. But you're absolutely right. If they lose at Oklahoma, they, it's not a deflating loss that maybe ends their season. It's, it, turns into a good, it turns into a good loss. It's right? how do we that- respond? How do we rally, like – now we know what we have because I, I think back to 2019, they played middle Tennessee state and they played army, but then they got smacked by Wisconsin. And I firmly believe 
if they could have played like a Maryland first or a Rutgers first, I mean, that's where that Maryland game this month is so valuable because they'll, they'll at least know a little bit. They won't have a ton of time to fix it before they play Iowa, but they'll at least know a little bit like, Hey, we got to clean this up because I firmly believe that 2019 game, Michigan was just overconfident. They didn't realize that they were deficient in certain areas, thinking about defensive tackle or, um, well, they were shorthanded health-wise run game, but you know, there, there were certain things where they, I don't think they realized how much trouble they were in until they had already lost. So I, I'm a big believer in it. Doesn't have to be Texas, Oklahoma. It could be Ole Miss. It could be Syracuse. I don't, I don't know who would say yes. I mean, but I feel a little bad, bad for the fans and the players. Um, because yeah, this is, next week's podcast is going to be very similar actually. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know enough about UConn just yet to know, if, you know, what the point spread would be, but I'm not expecting it to be much lower. All right. Anyway, on that note, now that we've basically poo pooed the entire preview, uh, let's, let's run through some of these over unders last week. It looks like I, you beat me four to three out of seven. So eh, we're about 50, 50. All right. So number one, J.J. McCarthy, 279.5 combined passing and rushing yards. So this is probably going to be a how long does Michigan keep him in there, but does he get 280 or more combined passing and rushing? I'm going to say over. I suspect they'll give him the entire first half at least, and I think he can do that, especially with his legs. Like I don't know if he'll get 250 passing, but I think 280 overall, I think he gets. So I'm going to take the over. Steve, your thoughts? Uh, I'll take the over as well. I kind of think the same. If he plays the whole first half, <clears throat> there's a, a reasonable chance uh, that he gets there. So uh, I'm going to err on the side of I think he's going to be impressive. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with, with the over. All right, next one. Last week they had 15 different players record a catch. Uh Kind of impressive if you think about it. Do they get to above 13.5? That's this week's over-under. Some some factors, I mean, emptying the bench, but also, you know, when do they start running the ball pretty more heavily? Is it sooner than last week? Uh, your thoughts, 13.5 over-under. That's a very high over-under. So your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the under. I'm going to take the over. I think Jim Harbaugh really likes that they got 15 last week. And, and you know, that's not counting guys, uh, some of the freshman receivers, guys like Dixon, not counting the walk-ons, although Peyton O'Leary got a catch. Um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to remain pretty high. Okay, last one on the offense. This was actually maybe the one weak point last week against Colorado State is the big plays. Do they get 2.5? offensive plays of at least 40 yards i don't i don't know if they they got they got the one last week i don't know if they got another one so your thoughts on the over under two 2.5 offensive plays of at least 40 yards uh, i'm gonna go with the over and this is a this is our first hawaii stinks choice over under i just like, Hawaii's just not very good so i just i think michigan will have a few big plays in there yeah, it, it it just feels like it. I mean, the the scoring totals Hawaii has given up have been pretty bad. They actually quietly haven't given up a ton of plays of 40 yards or more, but they also haven't played a team 
that I think would be within 20 points of Michigan. I I was tempted to take the under just to to try to game the system a little bit. I, I think I got to take the over. I, I got to think it happens three times or more. All right, on the defensive side, do they allow 100 yards rushing or not? Hawaii is probably slightly better on offense than on defense right now, but not very good on offense either. Uh, do they get to 100 rushing yards? I'll say under. I don't see them getting there. You know, as long as sacks count as as rushing yards, I'm definitely comfortable taking the under. I could see them getting over with, you know, if you take away the sacks, but I expect Michigan's defense to to once again, you know, get be in the backfield. I and mean, if they were doing that against Colorado State, I I suspect they'll be able to do so against Hawaii. All right, next one. The secondary, this is an interesting storyline that I'm keeping an eye on. Does the secondary get 3.5 sacks plus interceptions? Hawaii has thrown five interceptions this season compared to zero touchdowns. So odds are in the favor of this. But the secondary, you know, the the one thing that I thought I came away really thinking about with the secondary last week was I thought they were really well equipped to get involved in the backfield, you know, in terms of getting those tackles for loss, getting the sacks. Um, Moten had his first sack. Sainer still had his first sack. I think they they exceeded this three point. Maybe they met the three point five last week. Three point five sacks plus interceptions for the secondary. Your thoughts? I'm gonna go with the over. Cool. Like their yeah, playmaking ability, like their playmaking ability last Saturday, and I think they'll continue to do so. I love. I know it was kind of a gimme, but uh, Rod Morris just seems like one of those guys that's always in the right place at the right time, and. Uh, you know, I think same with DJ Turner. So I, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the over. Uh, I'm trying to think which one's going to be most interesting. All right, last one. 4.5 players with at least half a sack. Last week, I think it was nine, which might have been a school record for a game. It's, it's one of those stats that I don't think they've always tracked it. But do at least five players get at least half a sack? I'm going to say the over. I'm saying the over on the on the secondary one, too. I don't think I gave an official answer. Uh, I'm going to say over on that sack involvement. I really like how they rotate. And and more important than them rotating, it seems like that second and third string of defensive linemen can get after the quarterback. Thinking about Derek Moore, Braden McGregor, Yabi Anoma. I mean, these are guys who who aren't even technically starters. And I think that they are, uh, NFL scouts are paying attention to their pass rushing ability and their ability to get to the quarterback. So I'm taking the over. Uh, What say you? I mean, it's hard not to take the over on that based on what happened last week, right? I mean, especially given, you know, Harbaugh talking about wanting to hold, play the whole roster if they can. I mean, I'd be – I'd actually be mildly surprised if it's not the over on this one. This one kind of feels like a an easy one, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I probably would write it as a takeaway. Like, where where was that defensive line depth would be something. Hey, one question quickly – from Vance 99 on our message board. I, I thought this was, uh, I meant to get to it earlier in our JJ discussion, but he asked, will Michigan's offensive coaches try to limit JJ's arm either with play calling or telling him to be more conservative or will the full package be on? I, we don't know. We're not in the game planning room, but do you think they try to scale back? I, I doubt they tell him to scale back. My guess would be if they did so, it would be in play calling. But what's what's more beneficial, you know, putting on a show here and, and letting JJ 
you know, air it out or, you know, maybe showing relative sportsmanship uh, and also keeping things a little under wraps for opposing defenses later on this season. What do you think they try to limit it at all in, in terms of how aggressive they are with that aerial attack? I mean, I think maybe from a play calling standpoint to an extent, but not not too much. Uh, like we said, I mean, this, there's still a competition going on here. Uh, we know Hawaii is no good, but you, you still got to give him an opportunity to to show you what he's capable of as the starting quarterback. This is his first start. And again, the opponent isn't very good, but, uh, you know, again, this is his first time leading the team out and, and kind of being the guy. So I don't think you can limit it too much, at least early in the game. You know, I think it's one of those deals where if they get way ahead, then you start to limit it. But you can't – there's really – to me, there's no upside to, yeah, telling him to rein it in or or whatever. You maybe make the play calling a little more simplistic or, or nothing overly ridiculous, you know. But I'd still give – I still think you want to give him opportunities to push the ball down the field, you know, again, just to see where he's at. Right. I mean, I, I go back to what we mentioned at the top of the show or I don't know if we do call this a show uh, that about uh, breaking down McNamara's start last Saturday, where it was like just a lot of locking onto his first read, you know, just kind of stuff that you'd think he'd maybe would have been had progressed a little bit more with in the offseason. So I think you've got to give McCarthy some of those same opportunities to a lot Michigan the coaches have to have enough information to make a decision right so um, I think they can do that without being overly ambitious in the play calling department Uh, but yeah you can't you can't tell him to take it easy you know if if anything I think you right I think if anything you want to you want to tell him the opposite you know it's like this is your chance to prove that you can be the guy for us you know kind of as we talk this out what's kind of fascinating is like really maybe not the two best games to figure out who your best starting quarterback might be. Right. I mean, it, it, I actually fully agree with the way Harbaugh has gone about it, but yeah, you kind of wish they were playing a couple teams that maybe had a a little bit more to, to show or to offer, uh, you know, from just a sheer like challenge, Yeah, put some pressure on. Yeah. You know, so like, that's why I said that coming out of the game last week, where it was like, I know, and and, it, and we talked about those breakdowns where, where Cade made some mistakes and, and maybe didn't look that sharp, but it's like, is, is his, you know, is a guy that uh, quarterbacked them to the Big Ten Championship last year, is is his is his uh, role as a starter going to be fully dictated by this, a 51-7 to win over Colorado State, you know, and it's like, so then McCarthy's going to come out on Saturday, probably play well, or, or we know Michigan's going to win. It's just kind of interesting. I I almost wonder if it, if this isn't going to be over after after Saturday. I, I'm not convinced with UConn, and then I, I almost wonder if they'll maybe do it. This will drag on another week, and they'll go into conference play uh, with a choice made. Uh, they probably you know. publicly will too, just to mess right. with Maryland and Iowa. Right. right. Yeah. So you know that's the other thing too is like I, I I'm not convinced if McCarthy comes out on fire on Saturday that that wraps it up it may you know that that's where we used to rewatch and see what he saw or whatever but I'm not convinced that it will so uh just because the 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 opponent opponents have been two very poor ones to begin I just don't know if that's you know 
the really the best. And again, I guess we go to the next week. It's not really going to be different with UConn. So I, you know, it's like, how far do you want to stretch it? Putting up points and winning easy games against uh, not good teams to try to figure this out. So long-winded answer, but yeah, it was kind of, that's the one thing that's kind of been on my mind this week is, is, you know, Colorado state and Hawaii are going to decide, you know, who's, who's Hmm. Michigan's quarterback leader is going to be for the rest of the season. I'm just, I just don't know if it's, if it's the, the best way to, to end this or to figure this out. I do think, you know, a Z2890, I don't think we have a full time to answer this question, but he said, what do you think Cade needs to do to get back into the competition? You know, in, in that vein, I don't know that someone can win QB1 this week, but I do know someone can lose QB1 this week. I mean, because if, if you're still just not making big plays, and JJ could be in this situation too, because we haven't seen him for a full game. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on Cade here, but... Yeah, this almost feels like if you're not really crisp and not dazzling a little bit or putting on a little bit of a show, you know, that can erase some of the goodwill you've built in the past, what you've shown in the offseason. So it's, um, you know, I think there's a lot like, wait, what does JJ need to do to win? I think, you know, the bigger thing is like, I think a quarterback battle can be lost more easily right now than it can be won because I'm with you. Uh, I used to say they need to decide it by the time they face Iowa. I guess we'll see how JJ looks. I don't know that that's true. I mean, if they go in and they're ready to play either one, you know, that's going to be tough for Iowa's defense. And so anyway, we could probably talk about this for hours and hours. And maybe we will, depending on how long they, they decide to keep this quarterback battle going. Finally, Steve, your score prediction. I'm going to go with just a clean 70 to seven. I think there ends up being one touchdown in the fourth quarter, but I think Michigan you're rushing the ball. I think they're a little bit more aggressive this week. And I think, um, I think JJ does end up having a good game. I think they, they score a little bit on defense. 70 is a lot of points. I might be looking silly for that later, but I, I do think they will be able to score pretty much every time they get the ball. Your final score prediction for this matchup? Uh, uh, just some random 65 to nine. <laughs> nine. I like that. Yep. <laughs> I would. I would love to see the press conference after the game, after Hawaii's coach kicked three field goals when they came up 65 points. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But... <laughs> yeah, yes. Nine, not the not the most strategic opponent score. I just, uh, whatever, who cares? No, I, think, I mean, I, these I score predictions are so frustrating because, yeah, we're really just throwing numbers at a, at a wall. Like, yeah. But it'll be something 10. like, yeah, it'll be like, yeah, like 60-something to – probably single digit yeah Yeah. like yeah or or low or low double digit so yeah you know again my thing in this in these games i'm just always fascinated to to understand or try to learn what the coaches actually get out of a game like this so uh hopefully we'll maybe get probably won't get good answers on it but uh you know we'll just have to see that's why we watch, and and certainly it does feel a little bit more like a preseason NFL game where we're talking about, you know, the, the fourth string safeties. Are they going to figure out who those guys are? But anyway, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Lots of preview content, uh, you know, not, not just game-focused, but also just about the team news over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Be sure to check all that out. Uh, and be sure to check out our coverage during and at, before, during, and after the game. I feel like we did a really nice job with – game weekend with the whole team you know my, myself steve sam bryce alejandro 
uh, you know, just really covering all the bases from this weekend. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you after the game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.